da 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 That is definitely a real thing. Mm-hmm. So what's our intro for this? Hi, welcome to Spin, the podcast about drunk special interests by Autistics for Autistics. We are currently drinking Michelob Ultra <laughs> Superior Light don't Beer. Don't fucking tell the whole internet my shameful beer preferences. Hashtag spawn. <laughs> what the fuck was that supposed to be? Sponsored. I said the brand oh, name. Okay, okay. When you say the brand name, obviously you're being sponsored. <laughs> okay, well, I'm instilling a rule right now. We're not allowed to talk about what the alcoholies were drinking because okay. I don't want anyone to make fun of my beer preferences. We did not buy this beer; we were gifted it. <laughs> That's so. true. That's true. Piss colored. <laughs> it has 2.8 carbohydrates. In it. Oh, good. Thanks. Good to know. Since okay. I just ate like my entire body weight in bruschetta. But yeah, same. So. Hi, welcome to Spin, the the drunk special interest podcast for for by autistics for autistics. <laughs> Yay! This is our pilot episode. Sure, why it, not? It might be our pilot episode. It might just go into the folders deep in my computer, never to be seen by human eyes again. But <laughs> yeah, relatable. <laughs> Every week or every two weeks or however often we're going to do it, I haven't decided yet. We're going to have one or the both of us talking to people who have told us they want to be on the show and share their special interests. And um, it's like drunk, you know, drunk It's like drunk history (laughs) where people get drunk and try and explain things in history, except you get drunk and you try and explain your special interest to someone who doesn't know anything about your special interest. Yeah, I have about 50 special interests, so... Like... I have, like, 1.5. <laughs> so, probably, I'm one of those people. Probably for a while before we get people... Um, before we get people to do it with us, it's probably going to be a lot of me drinking and Charlie heckling me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this first episode, we're both going to be drinking, and we're both going to talk about a special interest. Charlie's it yeah. is... Quantum Break. <laughs> Quantum Break. Quantum Break, the, the <laughs> not-quite-hit 2016 uh, video game from Remedy Entertainment, uh, which is a, a, a first-person... No, not for It's a third-person... Uh, Single-player, story-based shooter, which also includes episodes of a TV show, um, which it was heavily criticized for, but I love it, and uh, anyone who disagrees can fight me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. It might be Harry Potter, or it might be ancient Mesopotamia. <laughs> you have <laughs> like, so many special interests, I literally I can't keep track of them. I know Harry Potter, I know Wolf 359, I know... Okay, Wolf 359 <laughs> isn't really my special interest, because I feel like... To claim something is your special interest, you have to have, like, beyond a normal person's amount of knowledge of it, and Fair. World 359 is not really like that for me. Okay. Like, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. But, yeah. I could talk about cats, then. Cats used to be, like, my big special interest yeah. when I was a wee bab. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We should do an episode where the two of us just reminisce about Stargate SG-1. Yeah. We should, talk, <laughs> we should have an episode specifically dedicated to childhood special interests oh, that we've carried. Carried with us to the present day. So that would have to be Stargate SG-1. Harry Potter for me. I don't know. Cats for you. Cats and cat body language and behavior specifically. Um, I feel like musicals is too broad of a Eh, topic. Maybe. But like. um, We could do it. 
Supernatural was one for me for a while. Supernatural, the TV show? Yeah. Or like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I, I was one of those teens. In no, I mean I do also like cryptids and ghosts and stuff in general, but that actually might be a slightly more recent, not special interest, but like hyperfixation. Oh yeah, sure. That's what Wolf Three Fifty Nine yeah. is of mine right now. Is it's a it's my current hyperfixation is yeah. Wolf Three Fifty Nine, but it's not like a special interest. I feel like we should lay down like the definition between what we consider a special interest and yeah. what we consider a hyperfixation. Oh yeah, and also yeah. Um, just before we get started with uh, with anything else. I just want to make it very clear up front that in order to participate in this podcast, you do not have to be professionally diagnosed autistic. You don't even have to be self-diagnosed autistic. As long as you identify with the concept of having a special interest and feel that you can talk about it for half an hour to an hour, (laughs) then you're welcome on the show. Yeah, there's an awful lot of crossover between autistic people and people who have like ADHD Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So if you are one of those people, TM, who has a special interest or a hyperfix that you want to yell about yeah feel free to hit us up also didn't one of your uh friends on twitter say that they'd like to be part of this but they can't because they have medication that interacts badly with alcohol is there like a thing we could do to let people who that's true for them be on the show too um the difference then would be that they're not drunk the person asking them about their special interest Ah, is drunk That sounds fun. So drunk special interests, except the person interviewing you is drunk, so you have to answer their drunk questions. That's that's valid, you know? That that works. I feel like this would be really fun, because me me drunk asking other people about, like, shit I know nothing about (laughs) seems real fun. Yeah, and my perfectionist ass over here who's like, scared of admitting that I don't know anything, has to be drunk to ask people questions about things I know nothing about. You are so. valid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. so we were going to define what, oh, yeah. what the difference between a special interest and a hyperfixation. We got very off topic there. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to happen a lot. Okay, so in my opinion, a special interest is something that, like, for me... Um, for both of them, like, I feel compelled to, like, make something or contribute to the thing in some way because I do, like, a lot of fan art and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, like, for hyperfixations, it's, like, slightly more short-term short and I don't feel, like, compelled to absorb every bit of information yeah. that I can. Whereas with, like, an actual special interest, it becomes, like, my life goal to know everything I possibly can about a given thing. Yeah, yeah and... <clears throat> um. For mine's kind of similar, I guess, the way I view those two different things. Um, a hyperfixation is, like, yeah, definitely things that you're interested in for short periods of time. And a special interest, for me, I'm not really, like, as much interested in, like, I have to know all of the things about it now as, as I am. Like, it happens the other direction for me. Like, I'll realize, huh. I know way more things about this thing than the average person. There's a special interest. Ah, <laughs> like, I see. Like, um, I follow... Who are they? I can't remember. I follow a pair of popular YouTubers, and they uh, do a video series where every once in a while it'll be like... They'll take, like, a BuzzFeed kind of quiz on, like these obscure facts about this movie franchise or whatever, and every single one of the Harry Potter ones, they're like, oh my gosh, no one would know this information. And I'm like, I know that information. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like... That's funny. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like retroactive for you. You realize yeah. that because you know all the things, oh, yes, this is a special interest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how my process goes for that. I, it usually does take me a while to recognize that I have developed a special interest, mm -hmm. but me developing one usually starts with me wanting to know everything yeah. about something. Yeah. So... Yeah, and then there's some things for me that I classify as special interests um, purely for the longevity of my interest in them, mm -hmm. and though sometimes it has nothing to do with that curating information kind of thing, because like, like I said earlier that I might want to talk about ancient Mesopotamia at some point on here, and I do not pretend even a little bit that I am an expert on ancient Mesopotamia. I never learned about it in school, officially. Everything I know about it, I taught myself off Wikipedia. And I didn't even, like, <laughs> half of the stuff I, like, was reading for world building for the other podcast that we're trying to put together, Greetings for Sienna Station. So, like, half of the stuff I know about Mesopotamia, I filed into my brain as this would be interesting connected to this thing in a world building way and so I wasn't as focused on like is this factually true ah, so you so were more looking for like <laughs> story scenes yes exactly and ideas mm -hmm. than you were looking for actual historical accuracy yeah and mm -hmm. that's the case for a lot of the historical things I'm interested in mm -hmm. which I think like this is a drunk history podcast in some ways, so it's totally okay that I'm not going to be, like, 100% yeah. on the ball with that. I mean, <laughs> I can't guarantee that I will know anything about anything if I drink more than three beers, so oh, I'm, that's fair. Oh, I'm, like, just finishing up my first one. Oh, you drink really fast. What the heck? Okay, also, I just realized that when we did our little intro, we didn't introduce ourselves. Should oh, we introduce who the fuck we are? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally valid. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone but our close friends would listen to this pilot at least for like six months before we're super famous and popular. Oh yeah, totally. But, but uh, my name is Mary. Wait, hold up. We got to do the intro again. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna edit this and we're gonna cut it back to the beginning. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Hi, welcome to Drunk Special Interest. This is a podcast about. Uh, wait, no. no <laughs> you did it wrong. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me do it. Okay. Hi, welcome to Spin, the Drunk Special Interest Podcast. My name is Mary. I'm Charlie. We're a sister and brother team. This is our first podcast. Woo! Yay. Yay. <laughs> Slorp. All right. Did you just chug the rest of that? I'm impressed. <laughs> nice. Nobody can see what I just did, but I just made a, like, non-committal hand gesture. I don't know anything about my own alcohol tolerance or anything, so this is going to be the so only... So we're going to find out. <laughs> I guess we are. Into the special interests of this week, which is Quantum Break, and I don't know what I'm going to oh do God. yet. Oh, God. So you, you have to go first while I... I think. have to go first. Okay, let me finish this beer then. <laughs> Shotgun it. Chug, chug, chug. I can't, I can't... Charlie ate too much pizza. I did. I only had two pieces of pizza, but I also ate, like, yeah. my, uh, uh, an amount of bruschetta large enough to fill the space that my head takes up. Yeah, I decided... Which is a lot. I decided that Italian food and drunking... Drinking... Drunking! <laughs> ...would be a good combination, but then I love Italian food, so anything goes good with Italian food, so I made bruschetta and um, toasted two loaves of French bread, and we ate all but five pieces of it. That's so much. <laughs> yeah. That's so much bread. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for bread. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I, uh, I guess I have to start. Um, the 
the purpose of this is get drunk and try and explain your special interest, right? Yeah. 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 You still don't know what the plot of Quantum Break is, do you? I do not. Do you want me to try and explain I think that's what we should do, yeah. Oh my god, cursed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good lord, I don't even know where to start. It's so funny because Quantum Break's been your special interest for like... Going on two years now. Yeah, and you... The game came out in April of 2016. And you've lived with me for almost all of that time. Yes. So I feel like, secondhand exposure-wise, I should know everything there is to know about Quantum Break, yes. but the plot is so fucking convoluted <laughs> that I don't know. Okay, well, it's a time travel story, so yes, of course it's I know it's all convoluted. the memes, but I don't know the story oh, itself. Jesus. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can... Uh, make my brain put this into a straight line rather okay. than a, a big ball of yarn. Okay. Um, so Wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey. Please don't. <laughs> I hate Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, okay. I well. mean, I don't actually, but why must you remind me of my cringy teenage years? Everyone had them, Charlie. <laughs> That's valid. Okay, so... <clears throat> geez. The story of Quantum Break starts out... Uh, the main character, the player character in most of it, is Jack Joyce, uh, who is played by Sean Ashmore, who is also Iceman, I, uh, Iceman in the X-Men movies, in case anyone was curious, uh, who also has a twin brother named Aaron Ashmore, who was Steve who, Jinks in yeah. Warehouse 13. Yeah, Warehouse 13. So yeah, um, all of these characters are characters that I have crushes on, which has <laughs> led me to conclude that my type is just the Ashmore twins. <laughs> but that's beside the point. <laughs> um... The main character is Jack Joyce, and the story starts with um, his childhood best friend, Paul Serene, played by Aidan Gillen, uh, has contacted... Peter Baelish. That's who that is, right? Yes, from Game of Thrones. Um, Has contacted Jack for the first time in, like, six years or something, because Jack has been abroad. He's, like, a fucking travel writer or some shit. The game doesn't actually specify what he does for his day job. Sure. Um... But the novel has said that he's, like, a travel writer or something. (laughs) So, like, he's... Candle in the wind there, Jack. He thinks he's cool, but uh, he's not cool. He's, like, one of those hipsters that thinks they're, like, cool and enlightened, but is not. Okay, not really. I'm kind of, like, harshing on on Jack's shit a little bit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he had an emo band in his teens, so, like, I don't hate him or anything. (laughs) He is very cringy, though. <laughs> I mean, if anyone's allowed to harsh on Jack Joyce after all this time, it is Charlie Jack Joyce's trans Phillips. So, like... That's valid. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so the point is, Paul calls him back to their hometown because Paul is working as the director on a project, a physics project, at the local university. Um, and he's like... The project is about to get shut down, and I need to prove that it actually works. So, since nobody else is willing to do this illegal thing with me, I will call the only person in the world that I truly trust, which is my childhood best friend, (laughs) Jack Joyce. (laughs) It's pretty gay, yeah. Um, So, Jack, at a moment's notice, fucking takes an overnight flight from, I think it's like... Some 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 somewhere in China. He's Mm -hmm. like over there doing some shit, and is like, okay, well, 
my BFF needs me. So he goes back to their hometown to conduct an illegal physics experiment in the dead of night. Um, and it turns out to be a time machine, which they activate, which then immediately explodes and causes a fracture in the fabric of space and time. Uh, and it causes Paul to get sent back in time to 1999, where ah. he then has to live out the next six, 17 years of his life from 1999 sure. all the way back to 2017 sure. in order to meet up with Jack in the present again. Okay. So what Paul does in that time is he forms this giant like mega corporation called Monarch, Monarch Solutions yeah. um, so that he can use the company to fund a project that he thinks will not fix this fracture in space-time, but will um, save enough people from, like, the <laughs> impending end of time. And that's the lifeboat thing. And that is the, the lifeboat project, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. a, a monarch thing. And then from there, the entire game plays out with, like, um, Paul tries to kill Jack's brother, William Joyce, who was the physicist who, like, first discovered all of this time travel stuff. Um, and Jack obviously gets super pissed at this and like they're fighting over the course of all of this and like Jack is trying to find this thing called the countermeasure that William built many years ago. Which is that the dodecahedron? Yeah, it's shaped like a D and D dice. Yeah, <laughs> which and is you, great. You built one out of cardboard, didn't you? I do. Yes, yeah. I was planning to use it for a cosplay, but then never did. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> where was I going with this? Oh yeah, so Jack is trying to find this countermeasure which can actually fix the fracture in space-time, whereas Paul is trying to prevent this because he doesn't think that the fracture in space-time can be fixed because he's already been to, um, the place where, or I guess he's been to the time the, Who has, Jack or Paul? Paul. Okay. Paul, in his, like, thing where he traveled yeah. back in time to 1999, also saw the the place in the timeline where everything broke. Sure. And th he thinks that by observing that, it can no longer be changed. So ah, the time travel rules okay. in this um, universe... Are the same as in Doctor Who. What? That's the <laughs> same as in Doctor Who. The third Harry Potter movie, where, like, nothing changes... You know? Oh, okay, so it's like, the it's, opposite of that. Yeah, it's okay. the time is a closed loop theory yes, of time travel. Yes, 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 There's yes, a couple yes. of different theories of time travel that are used in fiction. Mm -hmm. There's the one where, like, you can go back in time, and if you change something, it completely changes mm -hmm, the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then there's also the one, like, if you've seen the third Harry Potter movie, which basically everyone has, um, you can go back in time, but everything that everything has happened... Everything that you changed yeah, everything that has you changed, already been changed, yeah. so it all fits together like a nice little puzzle piece. Yeah. That's It's also, a closed loop. That's also... Okay, I'm gonna... Yeah, you can interrupt here. me here. Okay. <laughs> that's also the same version of time travel that happens in um, the only Robert Heinlein story that I still love, because, like... Robert Hylan, I have realized in the last, like, six months was kind of a shithead. But I still absolutely adore this one story, which, like, I'm not gonna lie, I reread it a couple of months ago, and I was like, wow, he's also a shithead in this story. This is really sexist and awful. But it's so clever that I'm, like, willing to, like, not excuse it necessarily, but I'm like, okay. But anyway, this story is called All You Zombies. I've heard of this. All You've probably told me about this mm -hmm. before. Robert Hylan wrote two versions of, well... Two versions both exploring this um, time loop uh, paradox kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And the first one was called By His Bootstraps. And there's an episode of Doctor Who that references this 
it's before the flood. Um, it, the part of the two-parter with the lake ghost. What if you're a time traveler and you go back in time and you um, you go back in time. No, for, for you're a time traveler, but you're also a giant fan of Beethoven. So you get all of Beethoven's um, sheet, you get all of your Beethoven sheet music, and you go back in time to meet Beethoven because you want him to sign his sheet music for you. And then you get there, and you realize there's no one named Beethoven, and you can't find you can't find any like traces of him in the time he's supposed to be. But you have all his sheet music, right? So you copy down the sheet music from the future into the past, and then you publish. You publish all these works under your fake name, your new fake name, which is Ludwig van Beethoven. So you are Beethoven, but it's like, where did the idea originally come from? Who wrote Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? And in the course of explaining this as narration to you, the viewer, Peter Capaldi says, it's called the bootstrap paradox. Google it. And Robert Heinlein wrote the short story by his bootstraps which is the same kind of thing where a guy goes back in time and then becomes the person that he's like investigating. And actually, I don't remember how that story goes because it's nowhere near as good as the second version of the closed loop time travel story that Robert Heinlein wrote, which is called All You Zombies. And I guess this is what my special interest this week is, is just All You Zombies. Nice. <laughs> but, that's, but that's fine. I mean, time travel stories in general yeah. are kind of a thing for you. Yeah, I fucking love... Also, I finished my first beer, so... Okay. Time for another. Yeah, I'm gonna look up a doc of this because, like, the concluding paragraph is one of my favorite things in the whole world. But, <laughs> okay, so the plot of All You Zombies. Uh, so this guy goes into a bar and he sits down and he says to the bartender, oh, I'm having a really rough week, blah, 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 blah. And the bartender's like, hey, well, you know, bartenders are like also therapists, so unload all your troubles on my shoulders, buddy. And the guy tells him, uh, so he was an orphan. He was assigned female at birth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so he was this little female orphan. And then, um, he was, when he... He was really ugly. <laughs> he was a really ugly little girl. So he never really like had any romantic connections or anything. So he was gonna join uh, when he grew up and uh, uh, phased out of the orphanage system. He was going to join like the space marines in this universe. And <laughs> space marines. <laughs> yeah. So he was gonna join the space marines because this is this is sci-fi. So, but um. As he was going to night school to get his space marine education degree, I don't really know, he met this guy at a park, and then this guy disappears, and he gets pregnant. And in the course of delivering the baby, um, he has to have it delivered uh, via C-section, and so the, um, the, uh, uh, the surgeons, as they're, like, uh, helping him deliver this baby and, like, sewing him back up, they realize, oh, you're actually, um, I can't remember the correct polite term for this. Is it, like, an intersex condition or yes, something? Yes, yes, it's an intersex kind of thing. So he's intersex, and, um, in the course of, like, sewing up all his parts and giving him this baby, he's like, oh, well, that's fine. And <laughs> so then he starts to identify as male after that. And so then, uh, he... So he, he becomes both the mom and the dad. That's... You spoiled the end of the story. I mean, he is both the mom and the well, dad. no, I mean just by both of yeah the, by nature of yeah by nature of yeah. So whatever. He's both, he's both the mom and the dad of this child. So then he um 
he, uh, I can't remember how exactly it happens, but he ends up having to um, give the baby up for adoption. And uh, as he's going to give the baby up for adoption, he's like attacked by someone who kidnaps the baby and disappears. So then uh, that's the end of this story. And you get back to the present time where this guy is telling his long, sad, tragic backstory to the bartender. The bartender is like, hey, come in the back and I want to show you something. And so he goes in the back and he has this giant net. And the net, he like, <laughs> vroom, he like, like it's like a giant like fishing net. Like catches him in a large he, net. He catches him in, the lar- in a large net. And they uh. both go, and they both go back to the past where he sees younger identifying as female him on the way to the park where he remembers having sex with an older stranger. So he goes and he has sex with his younger female self, gets her pregnant, and then he goes back to the guy with the net who throws the net over him again, and then they hop forward a couple a year where he is the one who kidnaps the baby. And then they hop forward back to the far, far present, to the, um, not to the far present, to the far future where the guy, where the bartender with the net came from initially. He was like undercover in the past. And he says to this guy, hey, I work for the Time Corps. I'm here to recruit you. Also, I'm you in 50 years. So every single character in this story is the same person. Cursed. <laughs> it is. It's extremely cursed. Let me read you the end of this story. I dictated my report. 40 recruitments all okayed by the psych bureau, counting my own, which I knew would be okayed. I was here, wasn't I? Then I taped a request for assignment to operations. I was sick of recruiting. I dropped both in the slot header for my bed. My eyes fell on the bylaws of time over my bed. And here's like this slogan motto sheet that he has hanging up. Never do yesterday what should be done tomorrow. If at last you do succeed, never try again. A stitch in time saves nine billion. A paradox may be paradoctored. It is earlier when you think. Ancestors are just people. Even Jove nods. They didn't inspire me the way I had when I was a recruit. Thirty subjective years of time jumping wears you down. I undressed, and when I got down to the hide, I looked at my belly. A C-section leaves a big scar, but I'm so hairy now I don't notice it unless I look for it. Then I glanced at the ring on my finger. The snake that eats its own tail, forever and ever. I know where I came from, but where did all you zombies come from? I felt a headache coming on, but a headache powder is one thing I do not take. I did once, and you all went away. So I crawled into bed and whistled out the light. You aren't really there at all. There isn't anyone but me, Jane, here alone in the dark. I miss you all dreadfully. What in the hell is going on? (laughs) I mean, time travel and paradoxes and shit. Yeah. (laughs) But also, hey, Heinlein, what the fuck, my dude? Heinlein was, like, fucked up in a lot of ways. Like... Some of Heinlein's stuff's really fucky, but yeah, yeah. You know what? I think I have, I'm I'm glad I didn't read any of this dude shit. Yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah. golly, <clears throat> old sci-fi dudes were <laughs> so horrifying. <laughs> anyway, that's the closed loop model of time travel. Let's get back to quantum break. Oh my god, I don't even remember where I left off. <laughs> so we were just talking about like the different ways to model time travel oh, in yeah. fiction. Oh yeah, you you had said you had said that um, the reason Paul was trying to stop Jack from changing the future. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, um, the reason that he thinks that. 
the the future can't be changed that they can't fix the the fracture in space time is because he already saw where it ended and where the fracture expanded enough that all of the passage of time in the universe had stopped and the whole world was just frozen Mm -hmm. like he already made it to that point in time and saw that it happened and therefore he thinks that it can't be fixed which the frustrating thing about this is that like that logic is not challenged in at any point in the narrative of oh, the game. Damn. Which means even after you like beat the game and the fracture isn't like necessarily fixed, but like sort of temporarily repaired in the ending of the game, it's still heavily implied that like this this end of time that's coming from the yeah. fracture is still going to happen because there's nothing that challenges the the time is a closed loop and nothing can be changed. Uh, that's not narrative. That's not necessarily true, though. Like just because he could have seen a thing that he interpreted wrongly. I don't think there's very much room for misinterpretation oh, okay. here. Okay. But it's like it's like you know in Harry Potter, um, uh, when they in the first time through before they go they back think in time, they see Buckbeak getting killed. They think they killed. see Buckbeak killed, but what they actually see and it's revealed when they go back in time is they see McNair bring the axe down on a giant pumpkin. Yeah, that's how that's how Jack saves Will even though oh, it okay. looks like Paul killed Will. Mm-hmm. Um Paul has people from Monarch explode an entire building, which seemingly falls down on Will's head and crushes him to death. Sure. But actually when Jack goes back in time to try and save him, uh, he grabs him, like, just in the moment when past Jack looks away and doesn't oh, see it. Nice. So nice, nice. Will survives the the explosion and the library falling on him. But is there a But simil- Jack didn't think he did. But is there a similar way that the end of time that Paul no. saw... Okay. <laughs> There's no way that that is ambiguous in any way. Okay. I mean, it's not really shown at all in the game itself, but, like... The, the, <laughs> there's a novelization of the game mm-hmm. too, which isn't strictly canon. It actually follows like a different timeline that, um, I guess I look at it as like, uh, you know, the, the multiple universes theory yep. where like each choice you make like splits off into <laughs> mm-hmm. different universes. The way I look at the, the quantum break narrative is that the, the game that you play where you have a couple of different choices and each one gives you slightly different endings. Um, Those are all different branching timelines. Those are all different universes. Mm -hmm. And whichever choices you make depends on which universe you end up in. The story of the novel is the same as the story of the game, but if different things had happened much further in the past, like in Jack and Paul's teenage years. What kind of things? Um, there's a couple Did they of... not go on the road trip to Utah? No, I don't know about that. There's a couple of things, like, narratively that are, like, they were much more involved in, in some type of crime when they were young. Oh, okay. There's this weird scene where they're, like, about to get shot up by some gang member or something. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the, the, the story of that is because I didn't really pay a lot of attention to that scene when I read the book the first time through. But also there's a lot that's different in the novel with Beth's backstory. Yeah, you don't like the yeah. way the novel characters I don't, <clears throat> character, character. Yeah, um, Beth Wilder, I don't know if I've even mentioned her yet. If you don't know anything about Quantum Break and you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. So Beth Wilder is this character who, uh, she works for Monarch, and she's like an inside, like, spy or something. Um, and she helps Jack sneak into Monarch to, like, mess with stuff and... 
mess with Paul and thwart his plans to like allow the end of time to happen um, in the game. But it, not a lot about her backstory is like mentioned in the game other than the fact that she also ends up getting sent back in time with Paul and has to relive like 11 years or something and sucks for her, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but the novel changes her story a bunch so that like when she got sent back in time, she abducted her child self and like trained herself to be like the most badass military person ever or something, which is I'm not she a... all you zombied herself. Basically, but I'm not a fan of that narrative for 